I'm excited. I get excited. That's just something I do. Someone else who also gets excited is Hunter McIntyre. And Hunter drops on the show today to talk about all things OCR Stars. And OCR Stars is an online competition started by Mr. McIntyre himself. It begins the first week of November. And if you have not signed yet, signed up yet, you will definitely want to sign up after this episode. So Hunter, he is known for his athletic accomplishments, but he decided to put himself aside uh, for the greater good of the community here in hopes to grow this competition so that us athletes of the sport do have something to strive for in such a broken up strange year. So the first 10 or 12 minutes, we just kind of shoot the shit, do the normal chit chat. So if you want to get right into the content, that's that mark. And once we do, we do a deep dive on how to train for OCR stars. We talk about the challenges of running a brand new business from literally scratch and what that has presented for Hunter. And we also talk about some of the different ways to strategize for this. And he drops some really good hints and tips on what to expect, because as you will learn, the workouts are not going to be disclosed to us, the competitors, until the week that we have to do them. So it makes the preparation a little bit hard. It makes things a little bit exciting. So I really love this conversation. Hunter is honest. He's passionate. He's really fired up for this. It made me fired up. I'm ready to train. I'm ready to go run and compete. So let's do this. Hunter McIntyre. So I started to do some research and during the bubonic plague, some, um, some like gypsy spice traders were covering themselves in all these like oils and, and like, you know, herbs and stuff. And it was able to break down the level of bacteria. And for some reason it wouldn't, when it landed on their skin and they touched it and stuff, they wouldn't get infected during the bubonic plague. So I considered that if I just keep this stuff around me, like different kind of like scents and lavender and this is eucalyptus, peppermint, all different kinds of shit. Um, it will keep me healthy. And also, if you take a thing of eucalyptus and put it under your nose and just go, you know, any of that kind of extra shit you get up there, you're just like, whoa, I can, like, I literally have like an extra lung. Do you think that's just like what new medicine is? You just bottled it and just charged it way more, but we're just like sniffing eucalyptus when we buy to like not- nasal spray? Exactly, dude. To be honest, like you got to imagine for thousands of years, we all survived with what was like literally readily available at our fingertips. And now scientists have been like concocting all these fucked up, super potent, non, like non-organic things that we're pumping into our bodies. And even though we are typically living longer, I think we're living a worse life for the rest, the, the, the longer remainder of those years, if you know what I mean. Yeah, my uh, my girlfriend's grandfather is like in his late 90s and he's he's just hanging on there and always makes those kind of jokes. Like if I knew this is what this was going to be like, I would have I would have opted out. It's like, exactly. thanks, thanks for all this help. But uh, yeah. Dude, my grandparents they both have diabetes and stuff, and they should have probably died in their early 80s, and now they're both 91, 92. It's just been science holding them together. And <laughs> I love them both, but I think they both would admit they're like, meh. And I actually wonder, because I know some of the stats that are skewed when it comes to life expectancy rate. I mean, it's way more now, but it's also because of infant mortality rates. Like babies used to die a lot more during birth. So that would really bring down, or they would die as infants. So that really bring down the 
the mortality rate. So I wonder like how long people were actually the people who were lathering themselves in eucalyptus, if they were still living to like 80 and 90, like we don't really know. I think Plato lived into his seventies. Did he? Yeah. Just a lot of thought, just deep in thought and writing. Thinking keeps keeps you healthy. If you're dumb, you're bound to die. I really (laughs) am a big believer in the strongest to survive. Like the fact that so many of my idiot friends are still walking around the face of the earth. I'm like, shit, they should have weeded you out younger. And sometimes I wonder about that. People who just like are crossing the street without it, like looking either way. It's like, how have you made it this long? When is it going to be your time? My buddy's probably never going to hear this one, but uh, he got hit by a bus in New York City while riding his bike, and it was his own fault, and then he tried to sue, sue the transit system. And I was like, wait a second, didn't you like cross a red light and get hit by a bus and then try to blame them? I'm like, one, shame. Two, you should be dead by now. <laughs> right. <laughs> you should be like, dead right now. And like, what if he wins? He like doesn't learn a lesson. It's like, yeah, I could just do what I want. I can exactly. cross the street. Whenever I need to. The, my, my biggest upset, I think, ever in, in litigation history is the person who won that $10 million lawsuit over the hot cup of coffee burning their legs from McDonald's. Like, it, I think about that one all the time, too. Like, literally, I think about it. Like, how does that, how did someone get away with something like that? I dropped my spoon. This is coffee that I poured so we could sit down and just like sip and have a good talk. I dropped my spoon in there and it was boiling hot water and I went and grabbed it and I burnt my finger and I was like, damn it, not again. But I knew that that was going to happen when I saw the spoon there. I was like, that's a risk I'm taking. And no point did I consider when I was reaching in there like, nah, nah, I'm fine. Yeah, this is probably someone else's fault. If if I get burnt, this is definitely someone else's fault. So someone else has to to pay me for that. Cheers, man. Well, dude, I appreciate you popping on. Uh, so I do want to do a deep dive into some OCR star stuff. Uh, like I had mentioned before, with a lot of obstacle course race athletes who tune into this, it's a primary listenership. And so the I do want to dive in and figure out like the best practices in terms of training. Yeah, uh, I know you're doing. A, I've been doing a lot of the promotion and just really kind of plugging that, plugging away on that. So. We'll definitely let people know how they can sign up, what to expect. But yeah, I want to dive in and really figure out like, you know, the crux of this thing, what you're thinking behind it, what kind of challenges they're going to be presented to people. But first, I do have a couple of like just random questions that I wanted to, to that I've been thinking about. So I'm all about shooting the shit, dude. We're going to shoot some shit. So dude, it's October now. It's October yeah. 1st. So we oh, made yeah. it to that. Uh, you strike me as a man who's not afraid of a costume. So like what has been your best Halloween costume that you've been able to pull off? Um, from like a sex appeal standpoint, it was probably a naughty cowboy. Like I was, I found like children's suspenders, but they were short suspenders. So like I literally had maybe like a millimeter to a centimeter between my ball line and the bottom of the pant line. So it was very, it was very, very exposed and it had exposed a lot of skin on top and I had the cowboy hat. That was just, it crushed in college. Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't a, uh, it wasn't a uh, Halloween party, but it was a birthday party. It was my buddy Matt Kempson and I's birthday party for our 31st and 30th in March. And we dressed as pirates, and I dressed as a space pirate. I kind of put a spin on it. People were pissed because they were like, how is he such a genius? How did he figure this out? <laughs> I basically just took an astronaut outfit, and I put an eye patch on, and I was like, space pirate. 
And, and, people, and people probably got it too. They're like, oh, <laughs> space pirate. Yes. My goodness. Chicks cannot help being around pirates. I mean, this is a lot girl driven, but I honestly think Halloween, it goes from the progression of like wanting having access to candy and then wanting to have access to adult candy. So it's like, <laughs> you, that's the progression of life. Like when I was younger, all I wanted was candy bars. Now that I'm older, it's women. Let's just yeah. be honest. And the girls are doing the same exact thing. Like, don't put it all same on thing. the guys. It's, it's, yeah. So the space it's pirate the- thing was awesome. Yeah, that's a good one. So, like, yeah, it's going to be tough to top that. It sounds like it just happened. So I don't know if you're going to run it back. Do you think Halloween is going to be a thing? Or is that going to be a thing this year? You better know that I'm going to throw the fuck down. <laughs> I, I, It's unfortunate. Like, Los Angeles, they're telling kids that they can't go out and trick-or-treat. Like, if I had a family... I would throw, I would like, I'd probably invest a couple thousand dollars in candy and I'd tell everybody, I'd be like, honestly, guys, it's up for grabs. Like if you want your kids to go out and have candy and have a good time and you're willing to put up with the risk, go for it. As far as adult parties, dude, it's going to be off the charts. It's, you know, it's all about the secret parties these days. So I think it's going to be a freaking blast. I'm certainly going to go to a party. I'm actually probably going to be in New York City when this is happening, where COVID's like, you know, the OG of all, um, you know, drop cities. They, uh, my buddy's doing a marathon bear crawl. His name's Devin Levesque. He's doing it October 31st. So I'm going to fly into New York City and then catch a flight halfway through that straight back to LA to start OCR Stars. So I'm going to start him out and I'm probably going to party for a bit pass that on the airplane, wake back up, run the first event, and then go. Um, is a marathon bear crawl like hyperbole, or is he actually going to do a marathon, like 26.2 miles crawling like a bear? I'll tell you what. At first, when he came out with it, I was like, dude, you're such a turd. You're just doing this for attention. And I was like, this guy's such a D-bag, like going around, <laughs> and he's trying to say it's for this. He's trying to say it's for that. And I'm like – and then all of a sudden – I stopped for a bit and then I started thinking, I was like, if he actually pulled that off, that'd be crazy. So then I started reaching out to him and I was like, you should come do some work with me. If you ever need any help, let me know. Like I'm the best at when it comes to building up endurance and freaky ways. He's like, I got a pretty good thing going on. I was like, all right, I'll leave you alone. And then all of a sudden he did a bear crawl with me. We did like three miles in the sand and he managed it really well. And I was the one who was actually dying. Um, I'll tell you right now, it's not, it has nothing to do with fitness. It has a lot to do with just, dude, my wrists were so swollen uh-huh. afterwards. You got to figure how often, like, even if you take a bar right now and you're going to do a front squat, think about how often when you go into a front squat position, how much it strains your wrists if you're not really trained in that position. It takes people months to be able to do that. Yeah. And that's only holding a front rack between 10 seconds under tension and up to 60 seconds under tension. Imagine doing it for 24 hours like he'll be doing. He's basically traveling about a mile an hour. Is that, what he, is that what he projects? It's going to take him all day? I mean, we covered basically like two miles in 90 minutes. So it's like 45-minute uh, miles. And I, it, it just keeps on getting harder. I want him to do it because after I saw Alex Honnold do the um, Yosemite, Yosemite face, I was like, that's probably the greatest feat in human history of physical achievement, just covering distance. Um, because everyone can basically run a marathon. Like if I put a gun to your head, I'd like run that marathon. 
you could mm-hmm. probably do it and some people can run it faster, but not everybody in the world. I think, I don't think anybody in the world could do what he did on that rock. No, so, no way. Same with Devin doing the bear crawl. I'm like, that's just something that I don't think almost anyone in the world can do right now. If he pulls it off, it sets a new standard. And it's like, it's one of those things that you would never even consider doing. So when the limiters approach, they're going to be something that it, it would be unprecedented to you. Like you're not sure what's going to fail and how it's going to feel. Like you were saying, you didn't realize it'd be like your wrists. So like oh. when he gets to a half marathon, he gets like eight, 18 miles. Who knows what that's going to feel like? Like his back, his like hamstrings. It's no man's land. And I know like shoulders, everything, um, compartment syndrome. There's just like a ton of opportunity for his muscles to basically be blown out. But he's been training for like eight months pretty hardcore. So he's a beast. Good for him. Well, we'll have to, we'll have to follow that. And I'm glad you're going to, to, to help him out before, at least for a little bit anyway. Fuck um, so if you had to pick up one specific skill instantly, it doesn't have to be an athletic skill. It could be. But if one skill you could pick up with a snap of your fingers, like what would it be? I mean, honestly, dude, if you gave me a guitar and I knew how to play like the best in the world, like, you know that I'd be the best rock and roller in history. <laughs> like, it wouldn't be like, it wouldn't be like, oh, wow, he's pretty good. Like, I'd go watch him at a cafe. Like, there'd be hundreds of thousands of people at stadiums to watch me shred. And do you think if you could just play guitar like that, you, you, would you just stop working out? Would you be like, all right, well, I don't need to work out anymore. So if you look at old posters like Bruce Springsteen and a couple of these rockers, like they're pretty shredded. They're maybe not like big and jacked, but they're shredded because they're like on crack all the time. And they're just like, and like yeah, and like they're just like constantly jumping up and down the stage. And I'm like, yes. Yes, the energy has to be, yeah, the energy you have to have to put out like that night after night. I can't imagine. And like yeah. working in those type of hours. So, but I think it would accomplish the same thing in terms of like, you know, the adult candy that there working out does. It's the endorphins, man. Like I used to do a lot of drugs and now I do a lot of working out. So it's like, you gotta, you gotta pick your poison. Everybody has their vices and I wouldn't want to go back into that lifestyle unless it was with like the purpose and passion behind like another craft. Cause I don't think just doing drugs is something you should just do. I think like enhancing <laughs> yourself, be like, you know, Jimi Hendrix putting LSD into his headband and then getting on the stage and like lighting his guitar on fire. I'm like, all right, I can see that. I can see that. I can do that. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, cool. I mean, that's a good one. I think about that too. Every now and then I'm like, you know, I'm going to learn how to play an instrument. And then I'm like, ah, I'm going to go for a run instead. That's kind of how it, I picked up a out. unicycle, dude. During COVID, I was like, I'm not allowing myself to go through this period of time not learning a new skill. I thought about buying a guitar and then I was like, I'm kind of in a tight, confined space with my roommates. And if they just hear me play guitar all day long and I'm not that good at it, they'll probably kill me. So I was like, I probably should get out of the house because we're in the house all day long. So I started riding a unicycle. Was that easy? Like, did you, or were you like athletically able to pick it up pretty really fast? But the thing is, the difference between like riding, I can cover a mile on a unicycle now pretty comfortably. I got this off-roading unicycle because I want to like be able to hop up on top of rocks and go down trails. And now I'm like lifting weights with it and stuff. It's when you start to move in any direction that's more dynamic than the straight line, it's unbelievably hard. So I obviously never want to do things like just middle of the road. I always want to go to extremes. Like somebody like Ryan Atkins won multiple world championship titles riding unicycles. And um, I watched some of his videos. At first, I was like, that's kind of a joke because like how many people do you know who actually ride unicycles? So he's probably like 
top five, number one in the world amongst five people. But then I watched some of his videos and I've been riding unicycles and I'm like, wow, it's an incredibly talented, diverse sport. Because he's doing it on like trails too, right? Like I don't understand how that works at all. Like how can you even navigate that? Dude, I'm telling you right now, like I live in Malibu and I live on like a, a kind of like a plain amongst the mountains. So we're at the very, very top and it's flat, but there's like a little bit of bumps and stuff. And I'm trying to like just ride down this little mini hill in my backyard and then like hop up onto a curb, the steps that go into my gym and stuff. And I'm just tapped. I watched him do, I think, seven pallets high, which was 40 inches on his unicycle. Just jumped it? Yeah. So you basically, you put the seat in front of you. So it's like almost like, it's almost like a horse head and now you're balancing on your feet. So you do jump and you pull the seat up, but you have to do like a, basically it's probably like a 35 inch vertical, 30 inch vertical of travel. And then you have to lift the seat up, bring your knees up and then catch and then balance on top of the pallet. Huh? So it's pretty plot. A lot of balance too. Hmm. You'd be amazed like the amount of muscular tension that you have in your body after doing 400 meters on a unicycle and not really knowing how to balance yourself. I would, I would toss 315 pound back squats out the window and do that for like five rounds. Hmm. That, that should be the next thing. Maybe in OCR stars, maybe next year's OCR stars. We'll, we'll have everybody get, get unicycle stuff going. Um, so last question, if someone was going to get into OCR, right. And if they wanted to learn the, as much as they can about it through a book what book would you give them to to be honest a bunch of people have produced ocr books and they're not that great um no offense but like i would say first of all i'd buy a book like jack daniel's running methods Mm. um then i'd probably buy a book like overcoming gravity by steve lowe or training for climbing by um i think his name's horst got those books on my shelf right now those are like training books. Um, I, I wish there was like more on like fell running and like the history of the sport. Like somebody just sat down and wrote the whole thing, but there's nothing really like that. Um, it's unfortunate. I don't really have the concentration and time to do it. Otherwise I would, but I, I wish somebody who was like a real nerd of our sport would put it together and tell like all the lengths of like back in the Greek days, these men used to run over mountains and train obstacles all the way up until 2020 where there's like three different kinds of world titles and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I've kind of found the same thing. I mean, obviously, there's nothing really that is going to be like the book on obstacle course racing, but even like mountain running in general, like the the uphill athlete that got released like two or three years ago is essentially a running training book, but they just happen to talk about the mountains, but like nothing on like fell running like you're talking about or anything that's like that extreme. So I agree. So maybe one day. All right, cool, man. Well, let's dive into it a little bit. I want to really talk about some of the OCR stars things that we got going on. A lot of buzz in the community. So I want to pick your brain on what's going on about that right now. But why don't you just give us like the elevator pitch on what it is and just to kind of give everyone an idea just so that they're on the same page. Cool. So if you guys haven't heard of it and this is your first time, uh, I'll give you the broad overview. As we know it, all events are canceled pretty much for the year. Savage Race started putting on events. I'm going to be totally honest. Um, you guys, if you want to go do something in person, Savage Race is your best opportunity right now. But for the majority of the season, it's been canceled between Tough Mudder, Spartan Races, most of the Savage Races, other events, the European events, so on and so forth. So I wanted to make an event that everyone could do under the circumstances that we're living by right now. 
So I've been a fan of CrossFit for years and I've done the open since 2011. And I always got upset that we never really had anything like that. That was more for us. They always had their version. I wanted our version because their definition of fitness is different than my or our definition of fitness. And it's not like you're wrong. We're right. You're right. We're wrong. Blah, blah, blah. It's just, there's always a different way to look at the puzzle. So I wanted to create that. So what I did was I took the month of November and we created four workouts in four weeks, half of them being running, half of them being in gym workouts with no running involved, just strictly gym focused. And I wanted to see who's the fittest person. And that's through running, which is a big part of our sport. And then also this dynamic version of testing strength, conditioning, coordination, and capabilities as an athlete. And, you know, I've been doing this for 10 years now, full time. And during these years, I've trained hundreds of athletes, thousands of athletes. Um, I've had, you know, done it privately. I've done it in group camps. I've done it all. So I was like, I know what these athletes are capable of. I've spent time with the best. I've spent time with beginners. So I know how the gamut would fully understand and range through this whole thing. So for the runs, we did a short distance and a long distance. The first run now is a one-mile time trial. Oh, yeah. Pretty, pretty simple. I want to see your capacity to push speed. Every athlete who's going to be running these events, other than hurricane heats and 24-hour races, need to have speed. And your speed ca- capabilities could be eight-minute mile. Your speed capabilities could be a four-minute mile. You know, that's just the range. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the best athlete by running a four-minute mile. I'm a guy who can run typically a 440-mile most of the year. And I win most of the events that I go to when I'm going up against athletes that can run four fifteens, four tens. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you are the best because you run the best. And then we have our long distance event because most of our events are between six and 13 miles. Mm -hmm. Um, so we had to put that in there. Then our two gym workouts were a focus on what is a what does an obstacle course race look like here in the Americas? There's a much bigger focus on sandbags, tire flips, herc hoists. You know, even in OCRWC, we still have to do carries. We still have to do some heavier movements. European style is much more grip, grit, endurance based. So I combine the two of them. Our first workout's called the Gripper Chipper. It's meant to be completely taxing your grip, coordination, capabilities, and mindset and, and like strategy as an athlete. So I'll let you know right now, if you fail a movement before completely com- like going through the absolute completion of it, like let's say it's a 100 yards of burpee broad jumps, you have to do a penalty just like you would if you didn't complete an obstacle. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty fun. Um, then our next gym workout is called Burpee Mountain. It's basically... Imagine if if you were climbing up a mountain wall using a box and using the capabilities. Obviously, there's going to be burpees in there. So those Mm -hmm. are my my words. But throughout these four weeks, we are going to be testing every single Monday through Saturday. You have the opportunity to work out, test yourself, submit the score either through Strava or um, Wadproof app if you're a qualifying athlete or if you're just a regular athlete who wants to just see where you stack up, just type in your information and we'll – We'll validate it, but you won't win prizes unless you have the verifying videos or Strava links. Cool. Yeah, I think it's an awesome idea. I've done the CrossFit Open for years as well, and I think it's the best. I think it's like the most fun, and it's great to kind of get together and kind of 
and the unknown part is really fun and, and getting together and, and just kind of plotting things out and doing multiple attempts of things. So at, at first I took it at face value. I was like, okay, cool. This is essential. Yeah. It's like cross it open for OCR. That's great. Cause I always thought that I was like, man, I wish that there was an open event that had running in it. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. But obviously like they wouldn't want to test something like that for uh, CrossFit um, in that capacity. But so after I started thinking about it a little bit is, do you think that they're like, in your vision that there could then be an OCR stars games, like an in-person event, like the CrossFit games where it's like multiple day, multiple exercise, like challenge event. Or is that anything you guys are considering? Well, to be honest, uh, one of my friends, Luca Lorenzoni, uh, the guy who who does OCR open wants to do something like that. So I don't want to steal his ideas. I'm going to be honest. That's where he's direction. He really wants to go and Mm. I may help support him in that direction. I as a company right now, and when I say I, I'm talking about my employees as well. Our vision right now is just to succeed in this. I would love nothing more than to have an event that I would be able to provide for this this sport year after year, not only income, but opportunity for athletes. That would make me so happy because I've had this for the last 10 years. But um, I don't know if I'll go in that direction. Luca and I even talked about doing a merger at some point, um, but you know, right now we're just focusing on this because I, I wouldn't lie to you. I want to do the first one the best before I try to sell you on the second. Cool. Yeah. And that makes total sense. That was just something that I was thinking about. I was like, wow, multi-day event. Cause I thought I heard something like that coming down the pipeline, but you know, 2020, what, what's really going to happen? It is. Uh, and there is some sort of qualification component to this as well for OCRWC, right? Like how does yep. that work? So I got on the line. I knew that if I wanted to do this thing that I had to at least in the higher level of credibility athletes, I had to create something that was going to show that it was a true event that was professional. It wasn't just a turkey virtual turkey trot. This is something that we're all doing together. And it actually is verified by one of the biggest companies in our business as a qualifier for their events. I sat down, Adrian, and I said, listen, dude, I've been competing with you for years I know exactly what it takes to be the highest level of integrity. I've done so many of these things where I've been tested through movements in all different kinds of dimensions. I know it better than anybody in the sport, and I'm not going to make this a joke. These aren't going to be like frog hop, knee taps, bear crawls. Like These are going to be movements that are measurable, repeatable, and recordable, and that directly relate to the events that you guys are doing. We're not doing 225-pound snatches and walking on your hands and double-unders. We're doing things that I would only ask my clients to do. Or if somebody was like, Hunter, I want to do my very, very best. What should I do? I would give them exactly these movements. Mm-hmm. So it's it's something that I use for years for training. And he basically agreed with me. He's like, you know what, Hunter? He's like, I trust you. We'll support you in this thing. And he's like, I will give you 10 qualifying spots in each age group, both men and women, to basically have um, athletes be able to qualify for our 2020 events, 2021 events. So I was like, perfect. So now we're qualifying, I think, 320 athletes wow. to actually cool. go to OCRWC. And, you know, we're filling up the spots. Obviously, I'm telling anybody right now, like you, if this is your sports, this is a great opportunity. And maybe it may not be that sexy, you know, venue like they used to have in Canada. I never went to the England one, but it's not that sexy Blue Mountain Ridge, uh, you know, venue. But you know what it is? It's hard work. It's an opportunity and it's a reason to work hard to get better for next year. And I promise you, if you do well on this thing, you will do well in OCRWC. And it's, so it's just straight up top 10 spots in every age group and in elite 
category as well? Yep. Pro, pro and female. Nice. That's awesome. Pro and that male, is, sorry, male and female. Because it's a big goal for a lot of obstacle course athletes. They want to qualify for that race because it is such a well-produced thing. And it is just kind of like this culmination of all the different races that come together. So it is cool that there is there is stakes. There's like skin in the game for, for this event. It's not just, yeah, like you said, like do these workouts and maybe we'll verify you did them. Maybe we'll follow up on the winner, like how most of these virtual races have been. So it, it's cool that that's well thought out in that respect. And I'm glad that you are helping kind of push people through to, 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 to kind of strive to do well in this, not to just do it because it's something to do. And so this, so we, you will release the workouts Monday, right? And then we have until Sunday to like Saturday Saturday. at midnight. Saturday. I think we're going to do Saturday by noon. By noon. Yeah. By noon PST. So that would be three o'clock on your time. Right. Okay, great. Yeah. Cause that's the one thing that I really did. I really enjoyed about the CrossFit aspect, right. Is the community piece and being able to do these workouts with other people and being able to kind of have an event around, you know, like the Friday night lights or whatever, and then do all these events, hang out, drink beers, and then just like have a, a like celebrate the, the work at that, the work that you just did. So with that, like you guys are having a gym component as well, right? Like there are, are sponsored gyms or there are partner gyms. I think you're calling them like how to, what's, what's going on with that? Basically our gym support system is pretty cool. If you go to our website, you go to race info, you can immediately click and it will bring you down to supporting gyms. We have a global map. So we have gyms all the way from Hawaii, all the way to South Africa. So it's like, we range the whole, the whole thing. I mean, it's, it's awesome. We've got a ton of supporting gyms here in the United States. And it's basically an opportunity. If you are a gym provider, you have an opportunity basically to allow athletes to come and use your facility and under whatever's kind of set up that you guys want to create. If you want to do open gym, Friday night lights, whatever. If you're an independent such as myself or yourself, you don't have a gym and you're like, Hey, I need to get these 50 pound dumbbells or the box or the pull up bar. I don't have that. You can contact these locations and they are agreeing if they're on our list to let you and come use their location during these, during the four weeks. Cool. And like I said, like that is like the best part about the open is doing it with other people. So I would highly recommend you get on there or like tell your, the gym that you are going to, to be involved in this because that really is an awesome part of it. And so I want to talk a little bit about the actual like running events first, then we'll kind of get into like some of the specifics and like how to train a little bit for this. So, I mean, a mile is pretty straightforward. And so what made you want to come out and and tell people that we're going to be doing a mile? Because like, I wasn't sure like if you were going to kind of give people some leeway, was it just like, Hey, let's give people some, some time to prep for this or get people fired up. Uh, it was just kind of like this marketing tool, to be honest, like I would love to have given every, everything away, but I want to build up this opportunity of driving people to what we're doing. It's almost like, to be honest, I'm going to give away all the tools of what's going on in my brain. I need people to understand that every Monday night at 5 PM PST, that they need to come to my channel for information. So it's either the information about the workouts, information about sponsors, information about to actually, so eventually we're building this all up so that the whole month of November, you, when Monday hits, you're like, what the hell is going on today? You're like, wait a second. It's Hunter's Monday night live show at 5 PM live at five. <laughs> I've been watching it for the past four weeks. So I've been driving people every Monday. I just do this live thing. And every week we've been giving out information. So I had to give out a little bit of value. Like a couple of weeks ago, I told people they need to be able to do toe to bars. 
This mm. week, I told people that they need to be able to do uh, – we're doing a one-mile time trial. Next week, we're going to be releasing some of the sponsors and, like, places they can get free swag. And the reality is, is, like, I mean, it's it's a fucking beast running this business. I'm not going to lie. I, I, I want to drive traffic. I want to keep things a little bit of a secret. I want to be professional, but I want to be fun. Like it's, it's just like it, it, my nature of being a human being is a little bit more wild, but also running a business that it's not just my money that's been invested in this thing. And also people are giving me their money. So I want to make sure that their experience of it is very good. So there's all these dynamics, you know how it goes. Totally. And so what, what is something that has been unforeseen about that? I mean, was this something that when you came into it, it's like, okay, now I'm going to have to try, try to generate interest in a different way than how I typically do. And has that been the number one challenge in running this business or has it been just like wrangling everything at once? Or like, what's something that you didn't think was going to be like so hard? Um, to be honest, people don't follow through at all on what they say they're going to do. Like I will be on the, it's not everybody, but I don't know if it's in this pad of paper, but I asked 46 people, 46 pros and big influencers in the CrossFit OCR fitness industry to help post and talk about, um, share all on the same day as our business release so that we could have this whole traffic generated towards them. Like guys, we've all worked together in some capacity. We're all friends. You've done me favors. I've done you favors. I'm asking you guys to help me out here. I'm doing something big. I need your help. I had like 10 people post about it and they all said yes. I called them and I was like, will you help me out with this? If they said no, I'd be like, totally get it, dude. You, you don't, you're not interested, but they said yes. So it's like now I've even had to let people go in the company. Like I'm paying people. There's employees. I've had to let people go because I'm like, guys, I can't be spending money. I can't be spending time. I only have a finite amount of resources and time. If you're not on the ship rowing in the same direction, you're off the boat in the ocean with the rest of the fish. So like that's that's kind of like where we're we're at right now, and like that's probably the toughest thing because a lot of the people that I'm working with are my friends, and I don't want to drive this hard line. But as a business, rather than as an independent and just a a friend, is a very different relationship. Yeah, and like you hear that, and I mean the operation I run, you know, it's pretty much just me. I have some people I kind of partner with. But it's never like the hard, those hard conversations that you hear about in terms of like entrepreneurship and like bringing people on and then having to let people go. Was, were you prepared to do that? Or was it just something that kind of came like, I don't have a choice. Like I have to draw hard lines here or like, how, what was that like? It was tough. It was my really, really good friend. And I was just like, fuck man. Like, you think I want to have this conversation right now? Like, you think I want to do this shit? It's like, it's not fun. It's not fun. You think I'm just a guy who likes, I mean, I don't know anybody who would point fingers at me and be like, Hunter's favorite thing to do in the world is just to fire them. (laughs) It's, I usually want to wake up in the morning and BS with my friends and share in the excitement of the life that we're having. Like, you know, but it's almost more stressful to have that in the back of your head is, is an uncertainty rather than a certainty of just the angst that comes with the, the, the snip. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I, I'm, 
a lot of these people, two of the people in this business are my family. My dad is an advisor and my brother is an investor. I've got my other buddy, John, who's the COO. Like he and I are friends, but like, you know, I'm always having to get on the call with him. He, I don't have a bad thing to say about John. John is so supportive, but sometimes I almost just feel bad. Like I know I can hear his family in the background. I'm like, John, I need help on this. And like, gosh, like, I hope I'm not being overbearing. But that level of excitement of being somebody who wants to succeed, like I'm really, I'll tell you something right now. I had a client paying me $10,000 a month to train here, here in Malibu. I know that's a humongous number and people would probably listen to this being like, what the <laughs> I let this client go because I wanted to watch this company succeed. I cut this gigantic life raft, a lifesaver of a raft that was going to keep me afloat during COVID where the money is tight. And I let that go because I need to sit at this desk for 10 hours a day and watch this company succeed. Because if I'm going to take people's money and I'm going to partner with companies like OCRWC and I'm going to take money from sponsors and stuff, I'm not going to be out gallivanting around Malibu having a good time when I should be working. So like those are the kind of hard, hard line conversations and decisions you have to make if you're going to take a step into business. Right. And like just having this conversation now, it seems like, okay, things could have just stayed the same in your life and have been good for all intents, right? And Good and great. It would have been so fucking easy. Sometimes I'm sitting here and I'm like, did I really make this decision? You idiot. So when you're faced with that, I mean, like, and now you've brought things to public. So you've kind of, you know, you have that kind of skin in the game. Now you're there. You've made this announcement. You're, you're, you have this thing. It's like alive and it's floating. So like you're, you're rolling now like this. It's this momentum that's kind of going. But I'm sure there was a point where you had that decision. Like things are cool. And then I could do this, which would also be cool but different. Like what made you go that route? What made you take that, take on this business? Um, to be honest, that same friend that I told you about that we took split Pat, uh, split ways on told me it was something that we should do. It was something that was in my head, but I was on like an eight hour long bike ride. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Okay. I know it sounds weird, but like I was like riding the bike in silence and like, I got like the text or maybe it was a call. And then I was just like riding and I had borrowed a bike from somebody I had contacted online. I was like, guys, I want to go for a bike ride. Does anybody in town want to lend me a bike? I got this bike that was probably like two thirds the size of my body. Like it was like, it should have been like, it was for like a mini man, not a hunter man. And I'm like riding this and I'm like, I was like, fuck it, let's do it. <laughs> and I just started going. That was just before, before July 4th. And I basically went home and I was with my family And I was like, I think I got to do this. I think even though I could just hunker down, I could move in with you guys. I could move back into my place in Malibu. I could do whatever I wanted to right now because nobody really had a schedule. Nobody had any reasons to be anywhere for any, like, you know, any specific, you know, one thing, you know, COVID basically wiped the slate clean. And I was like, fuck it. I've never been the kind of person to sit and wait for things. I always chase them. You know, I'm a damn hunting dog, not a sit around the couch dog. Uh, And I just went for it. And it's been the greatest thing that's happened to me this year, probably. Um, It's stressful. It's scary. It's it's exciting. It's inspiring. Um, I'm connecting with better people than I ever have in my career and higher levels than I ever have in my career. But 
You know, um, there's also a level of anxiety because, you know, I've always been a person who competes in athletic events. And I know that if I hit a certain bench or I run a certain mile or I do my loop behind my house at a certain time, I'm basically unbeatable. I've never had that. Those I don't have those runs um, in the business world. Right. Like everything seems like it's going well from the outside perspective, but yeah. you don't know. <laughs> like this is the first time anything's happened like this. So there has to be that level of unknown mm-hmm. in terms of like the obstacles that are going to pop up and you know how things are going to be able to be navigated through that. And uh, it's got to be given a lot of anxiety, but it's exciting as well. Um, when, when you kind of brought this idea, because yeah, like the, a lot of success that you've had is you know, doing individual sports and pushing yourself to go as hard as possible. And now you're, you know, responsible for a team and, and, you know, kind of coordinating a lot of things all at once. Like when you brought this to other people, was it met with support or was it met with kind of uh, resistance or did it even matter to you? <clears throat> Everybody who's ever gotten on the call with me was like, yes. This is awesome. Let's do it. Every, <laughs> every sponsor I've been in with on the phone, except for one sponsor, fuck that guy. Fuck that man. Fuck that guy. Everybody else has given us money, has given us gear. I mean, Darn Tough is giving up all the age group athletes tons of crazy socks, dude. Darn Tough socks are the fucking best. Um <laughs> Good, Gooder is sending us sunglasses to give away to all these awesome athletes. We are getting cash like crazy from sponsors. Like we are having, we're talking to Hydrant right now. Hydrant's an awesome product. Even though we might, let's say we didn't even work together. I would promote them anyways. They're good people. My bro Braxton's a great guy. Dude, they're talking about sending us for the road race. Uh, they're talking about sending us a rental car with Hydrant all over the side of it and filling water bottles with Hydrant and like passing it off to the athletes as we're racing. Like, it's going to be fucking awesome. People are on board and they want to see this thing succeed. So like even saying this now has gotten me so excited. Like everybody wants to see this thing succeed. And it's, it's great. Like that's the high of that keeps me at my desk rather than saying like, screw this. I'm out of here. Like everybody's down. So I mean, good, man. Like, and that's that getting with that support and that type of enthusiasm, you know, it, it is a good idea and people are going to be rallying around, around it especially this time of year. And, you know, it's a testament to you as well as people like, all right, like Hunter is going to be able to dive full into it. So let's fucking roll with it. Um, that's great. So I, like, I'm just going to double back a little bit onto like the actual logistics of the event. Yeah. Um, are you worried about like, so the first event is a mile and people are going to do it on the track. Right. But so people seem to have a hard time understanding that GPS and the track don't always read the same. Are you worried about that? People coming through on Strava, like being like, it's if I ran 1.4 miles, the track must be wrong. No. So the thing is, is we're doing it like this and the rule book's coming out soon. I'm, I have a whole okay. head coach team and everything. And we're literally working on logistics now. So two weeks before the event, the, the rule book will be out, but basically it's simple. You either go to a track and do four laps. We're not making you do that extra like little couple feet just because I don't want people to screw this up. People are. So it's a 1600 meter then, right? Yeah. We're basically doing the four laps. Okay. If you put a cone down on this part and you pass it four times, you have consideredly done a mile. It's going to be recorded on, on the wad proof app and uh, mm. you can send us the link. If you do not have a track, and you don't like you're not able to do this, and you're able to record it on your Strava. There's two ways to qualify for the track event. If you're a top level person, 
I really, really suggest you record it and send it in. Okay. Like I need you to. And also basically like we have tiebreakers. So it's very easy for me to be able to see the tiebreaker on this thing. If you're on the track, it's the last 400 meters, the fastest. It's a kick lap basically. So if you, if you ran like a five minute mile and you ran 78 for the first, you know, first three, and then you ran like a 70 for the last one, you versus the person who ran all 75s, you beat that person. Okay. Because you had a faster kick. And the same thing goes for our road race. The last mile is is the winning mile. Like, you know, if it's a tiebreaker, you get what I'm saying? I do. And that makes that makes total sense as I show the tiebreaker in terms of, of the track. And th- so the second one is are you saying it has to be on the road then too? Or if it, is it going to be a distance where people could do it on a track and you, record it as well? You could do it on the track. It's long enough that we're not going to take video submissions. If you want to videotape yourself, so be it. But it's going to be a freaking long video. Let's just tell you that much. And <laughs> it's not going to be so long that like, you know, it's not like, it's not like Lord of the Rings, but it's, it's long. Like we would watch a little bit of it, but, um, yeah, to be honest, like you're going to have to do the second one on the road. I wouldn't suggest doing it on trails either because every step you take up or down, it's just going to it's going to be against you in some way. And I'm guessing that you could have a uh positive elevation gain. It would just be worse for you, but you probably yeah. can't have any type of net net no. down. If there's if there's like over 50 we're, we're deciding between like 50 and 100 feet. I'm doing I'm going to do a test run on on the race that we're going to do. I've run it a bunch of times, but I haven't paid exact attention to the metrics. But I think we're going to keep all measurements. Like the mile definitely can't be near like if you get lost more than like 30 feet, you're done. Yeah. Yeah, okay? Yeah. But in in the the road race, if you've lost like more than 50 to 100 feet, like then we consider that to be a break. Yeah, because to find a, a completely flat road, if you're just not going back and forth over and over, yeah. is going to be kind of tough just for just depending on some places. But I mean, you probably find loops and be able, be able to gain. Stuff. We're not a perfect company and we don't expect the athletes to be perfect either. Like that's why I'm trying to bring in all of these metrics and like all these considerations when we're doing this business. Um, this is year one. There's going to be plenty of people giving me the sass because they're like, well, what about this? Like, I don't know to do this, blah, blah, blah. And then there's going to be plenty of people who try to cheat. And you know what? We're going to learn. We're going to get better. And we're going to, if we do do it a second time, we're going to be better than we were the first time. That's all I can promise you is, is like a, a person in the game right now. And all I can imagine is if you see somebody that says they claim they ran like a 410 and like you look at the, like you just look them up, be like, no, you didn't. <laughs> like it's I, simple. My judging yeah. team has to, if you're a contender in any of the age groups or pro division, if we look you up and you've ran it like an incredible score or done an incredible score in gym and there's no information about you, like we just can't verify you. You're not running in the low fours and you're not running in the low fours and have zero data. Right. You're yeah. not on, you're on, you're on athletics somewhere. Exactly. Um, it'd be like, remember that dude who he's actually had like uh, his own like YouTube channel, like a smash work, I think it was, but he was like an age group competitor in CrossFit. And there was that one open workout where it was 30 double unders and nine thrusters, like 10 recorded, rounds of it. <laughs> he just, he just did loops and it got, got, got caught on that. I mean, I can't imagine anybody would do something like, like that, but people will, I, I was surprised when that kind of came out. But, this, so maybe movement. people will be innovative enough to, 
figure out new ways to cheat. That would be that'd be cool. Our workout's too dynamic. You'd have to be a wizard to be able to pull that off. I know. Like yeah, yeah just like the the like you're better off like training hard and just like like probably spend less time doing that than figuring out how to edit all that that video stuff. What you doing? Um, so so I want to kind of move on into the strength piece about it a little bit. And there is like when we do the CrossFit open from my experience, like, you know, they, they start off and they kind of give everybody a shot. Right. And some of them are just engine based, be like really lightweight or, you know, you can kind of get through it. So the beginning couple rounds, there might be people at the higher end of the scoreboard who are not, you know, household names just because it fit their certain skill set and eventually they'll they'll kind of weed them out right they'll throw in like a heavy snatch or a heavy deadlift or, or whatever it is to make sure that the people who make it through the open are good at crossfit right yep. so is there going to be anything like that in for these events where an ocr athlete will have an advantage over somebody who might just be a runner and who might be able to run like a 405 or a cross or a crossfit athlete who might not have those type of uh like that specific type of training that an OCR athlete might have after all these years. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, like the Ryan Woods and like the Nicole Miracles and the Mark Botris are going to come out and wipe the slate clean on the runs. They're going to do great. They're spectacular runners. These guys and girls may not, it's, it's a better example in the world of um, Ryan Woods. He, he typically, is not able to do – he's able to run better than everybody else, but as soon as the obstacles hit, he kind of falls apart. No offense, Woods. We've known that for years. He's going to take a hit in the strength sections. The, ops, uh, the, the CrossFit guys are going to excel in the strength sections, but the, the strength sections are so light and kind of just like that conditioning-based style workout rather than that like, you know – three squat cleans, um, you know, 15 toe to bars and then 20 calorie row. That whole workout has nothing to do with the toe to bars and the calorie row. It has about exhausting you to get to the bar and make sure you don't make it to the next bar. Right. That's the reality of that workout. Our workouts aren't like that. We're not building up these things that are going to break you down. So you can't do something else. It's like everything in an obstacle course race for the most part, I would say 90% of the people can do, especially in Spartan race. I'll tell you right now, toe to bars. Like if you cannot get through a monkey bar, you probably can't do toe to bars. So I'm warning you right now that practice them or expect to not be able to finish the workout. Yeah. And that's fair. Cause that, that is a, a, you know, a high level, not high level, but you know, it's like a medium level movement that it takes a certain amount of strength and skill to get through it. Just like a not, just like monkey bars. Like you can't just get off the couch and do monkey bars. You probably can't do that for, for toast to bar as well. Um, and I guess that does kind of answer like the next question, because I know there are a lot of people who come into it from the strength side and they want to see something that will give them an absolute advantage. And the weights that will kind of like squish a runner more or less like do you foresee anything like that where it's going to be people are going to have a real hard time navigating the actual weight of things or is it going to be more it's 250 pound dumbbells i'm telling you right now there's we're trying to avoid we're trying not to be considered crossfit i don't i'm not saying crossfit's bad i'm just saying we're not crossfit we are just uh, a conditioning test you know if you look at the military combine tests it's like push-ups pull-ups squats run 
Tip, you could consider that to be CrossFit. You could put that in a CrossFit class, but it's not CrossFit. It's a military condi- conditioning class. You know, something like Helen is more all up our up our alley. It's kettlebell swings, mm-hmm. runs, and pull-ups. That's more of like that kind of like that gray area. Something like, uh, I think Amanda is squat snatches and ring muscle-ups. That's, you're sitting right in the, in the, in the living room of the CrossFit world. So- right. We're not that. The 250-pound dumbbells, I'm telling you guys right now, it's like in Spartan races, a male, you're moving 250-pound sandbags during the double sandbag carry up and down a ski mountain. This is way easier, pal. I mean, everything is as hard as you want it to be. 400 meters jog, not that hard. 400 meters sprinted, burning in hell. Um, (laughs) So it's the same exact thing. Like what we're doing is we're creating – an opportunity for certain athletes to excel where they should excel. And then we're creating an opportunity for certain athletes who are just so versatile and well-rounded to win. Ryan Atkins wins a 24 hour championship, comes second place behind me at TMX. That's a pretty fucking stellar athlete. He is going to do very well in this event. Hmm. Yeah, because that's what I figure. Like the fifty-pound dumbbells, they're heavy for certain things, right? Like if they were, like even just to do box step ups with, with them, with two of them, that's like pretty heavy. I like I feel like a lot, like that would knock a lot of people down. Or even, and one thing that I saw on the on the website was that um, there you have the option for kettlebells as well. Is and that kind of cha- fundamentally changes a lot of movements, right? Like, is that kind of a hint in one way or another? Because if you are to do snatches for, like, say, like they're different, right? Uh, I'll just tell you, we're not doing snatches. Okay, I'm just going to tell you if you're going to do lunges with kettlebells versus dumbbells, it's 98 percent the same. Right. I would say just that extra little arm maybe makes a little bit more instability. It's your choice if you want to choose kettlebells or dumbbells for the workout. Um, we're not making you do such crazy things that all of a sudden it's going to cho- change the direction of where the where your mo- body moves or clean and jerks or something like that. It's just like I can't do that. We're only 1.0. You know, I thought about the 2.0 workouts already. And like how I could make these things really extreme once my brain and our capabilities as a company is able to match that. Like, you know, in CrossFit, we're like, first five minutes, you have the opportunity to find your one rep max snatch. I, right. as, a, uh, as a competitor and who loves CrossFit, also understands our sport and loves our sport. I was like, okay, you guys have five minutes to show me your one rep max pull up. And then right mm-hmm. after that, you drop the weight. And I want you guys to go into a workout where it's like five burpee pull ups. Um, you know, 10 box step ups and then, you know, 15, uh, you know, goblet squats, something like that. And just like, you know, that's eventually something where we can go. We're not even close to that level of dynamic of a workout. Yeah. I I was kind of thinking about along some along, along those lines as well. It's like, okay, you do a 10 minute AMRAP and then you have like two minute rest and then max dead hang or whatever, you know, like something along those lines. So it's like the, 20.1 20.1 and 20.1 a but that was that took a long time for crossfit to really kind of totally build into their thing so and at this point it, it makes sense to be inclusive and, and to the point of just like no one has anything else to do you're not in the gym like you're probably have been running for the most part <laughs> through covid so yeah. giving people the opportunity to just get in there and just show what their work capacity is uh, just seems like a more a fair way to kind of do it and w- so Say for you with like your coaching, you have Haas, 
House. 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 There you go. House. Hunter's Hunter's Academy Um, of Strength. The the Academy of Strength. So how would you kind of like point people to train for this right now? Because like, like I said, I mean, the athletes who I coach over COVID, they were just running, you know, like, we're like, ah, let's see if we can find like a 50K or do some trail stuff. Um, No one really had gym uh, direction. So like, how would you kind of push your athletes like to train for something like this? Um, what we're going to start doing actually is just because we have the capabilities of doing it, uh, is we're going to start putting every Friday, we're going to put a fun workout in our email blast just to tell you guys like, Hey, this is what we would do. I thought it was kind of unfair for me to try to push people. Like everyone was like, Hey, you should make free guides for people doing this. I was like, I don't want people to think that I'm my clients. If you pay me that you have a better chance of doing this. So at first I kept my hands clean of it. I was like, I don't want there to be any kind of misunderstanding where people are like, Hunter is just trying to make this for his athletes. And so now I'm just like, screw it, guys. I, I'm writing these workouts anyways. I might as well give people opportunities because I keep on getting DMs. Like, could you tell me how I would do this or this? So like a great example of the way I always get ready for things is I think it's great to build strength. Then it's go- great to build strength endurance. Then it's great to build intensity. So you could do mm-hmm. that actually three times a week. So like if you wanted to lift three days a week, Let's say you do leg strength and let's do, say you do like a, a push pull um, or like, you know, I always like to do leg shoulders. So build your legs up. I would do like a heavy squat or I would do like a heavy low reps or I would do like heavy single leg stuff. Cause you know, we're going to be doing stuff like box step ups, box jumps, um, lunges, any of that kind of stuff, build that really up. Then the next day of the week, Wednesday, you'd want to do EMOMs. That's that kind of endurance. So let's say you pick like a 24-minute EMOM of three different movements or 21-minute EMOM of three different movements of like, let's just say you could do wall balls. I'm not saying wall balls are going to be in this because they're not, but I think it's a great way to build conditioning. You do 20 wall balls. The next minute you do 20 lunges. Then the next minute you do like 20 calorie row. You're just really, really taxing a muscle group, but not in the same same exact movement for 24 minutes. So it's not boring. It's building up conditioning and it just builds you up because this is what our workouts are. It's like, it's a lot of conditioning. Our events are a lot of strength conditioning, climb up a mountain. That's strength running, doing an obstacle. That's strength conditioning. Like, you know, it's all that kind of stuff. And then the last workout of the week, I would say Friday, as I would pick something that's just an absolute burner. So Mm -hmm. that's where you do something like the Helen, like you're doing 400 meter run into 21 kettlebell swings into 12 pull-ups. You know, you're just fucking blasting yourself. And like, that's you, you're hitting the whole gamut there. It's not that much time in the gym. Cause you don't need to be in the gym that much. If you want to be an OCR athlete, to be honest. Um, and then you're kind of hitting strength, you're hitting endurance, then you're hitting intensity. Then as a, as a runner, I would say a similar thing. Like, you know, you need to be fit. If you don't think you could just jog for an hour, start now. <laughs> start now. I'm just telling you right now, like, I don't know why you're doing endurance events if you don't have endurance. Um, if you don't think you can run hard for a mile, start now. I My favorite thing to do is to do a minute on, a minute off until I've covered a hard mile. So if you're doing at the track, let's just say, let's say you go hard for a minute and you make it like halfway around the track. Then I want you to walk the rest of, like for a minute. And then all of a sudden I want you to cover as much distance as you can for the next minute. Let's say you make it halfway around the track. That would be eight rounds for you basically to get that one mile of intensity. 
I, as a high level pro, I can make it almost, if I was going to do that workout, I would make it about 90% away around the track. And then I would jog easy for a minute. So I would basically do four rounds of that. So eight minutes worth of work. So just start to build up your level of intensity, being able to move really fast and then be able to keep on moving because you want to practice pacing. Track workouts are all about pacing, not necessarily about speed. Um, that's what I've learned as an athlete. Yeah, and that's going to be something for this mile, man, because you can screw up a mile really fast. I so I think this it'll be interesting because people are going to be like, oh, I'm going to blow the doors off this. I run like this many miles a week, but they've never done like something like a mile. Like you have, like you can't, if you're going to positive split a mile, it's going to be ter- like, it's not going to go that well. Like you're yeah. going to have to really be pretty dialed in with the pacing to kind of hit your best time overall. I'll put it to you this way. I just trained for a beer mile and I didn't go to the track at all. I only did it once. I did the rest of my workouts here on a treadmill. Even though I think I'm a big believer in the treadmill, it was super stupid. I was drinking, <laughs> I was drinking Bud Light limes and doing two minute repeats for five rounds um, on the treadmill, and then I would drink a beer and then the water out of a beer bottle afterwards. And dude. I was nailing it. Like on in training, I had done the beer mile at a 540 pace. 538. I was like, okay, I'm set. I went to the track. I drank my first beer in five seconds. And then I just got so excited. I went around the track and I did the beer and the first lap in 18, uh, minute 18. So okay. I was paced to do a 512, 512 beer mile. So it's like, I fucked up. I didn't get used to the train that I was going to work on. So if you have the time, go use the equipment that you need to use and go to a track where you need to run. What'd you end up running? Dude, I threw up a one and a half lap. <laughs> Had to do the extra. Well, yeah, give, I'm it gonna, a, give it a go. <laughs> I have to basically give a thousand dollars to charity. My buddy wants me to keep on doing this, but I'm like, dude, I'm just so fucking busy. Like I, I That's just like- don't know what to tell you. <laughs> That's like a whole in there, like just the training alone, like the time spent training, but then the time spent drinking and then it kind of ruins the time after the, the training. It's just a, that's a tough one to train for from when, from a, a time perspective. I, the other day I had so much work to do. I did two beers and a hard 800 in between each one. It was up here at the house on the treadmill. I drank those two beers. I ran the hard 800. I ran a mile and a half afterwards to cool down. And I was like, yeah, kind of drunk. Yeah. and then I came to my bedroom and passed out for two hours. I was like, fuck, I missed the whole day. Right. Yeah. yeah so. that's, that's, you're better off running like a hundred miles a week than training for a beer mile. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and just in, in your opinion, what do you, who do you think is going to do the best in this? Are you hoping, are you hoping to see that the athletes who do the best, like an Atkins or the people who are just historically on the podium or just like in that top mm. 10 range do um, like emerge here or are you thinking it's going to be more of that uh, like high rocks deck of fit type of athlete who, who's going to come out of this <clears throat> there's two things part of me thinks the highest level athletes are going to avoid this thing because they don't feel like they're in shape to do well because a mm. lot of people i know have been very lazy during covid they just have just effed off completely Driving around, vacationing, having fun, doing this, going there, camping, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that's cool. But when the day do come calling, you're not going to be ready. They're like, ah, don't worry about it. Now they're calling. I'm calling. 
And so I have, I have a feeling like a lot of these people may kind of go run hiding. A lot of them have already signed up. Do I think all of them are going to participate at a super high level? I don't know. So that's only one thing I'm going to warn people about. You know, that's why the, the, the leaderboard maybe shook up this year. Hmm. I think you're going to find some people we've never even heard of just show up and be mutants. And yeah, it's, that's going to be there. I still think Ryan Atkins is going to do great. Um, Isaiah Vidal would have been a great athlete. Uh, you got people like VJ would have been an insane athlete. Nicole would be very, very good if she's been doing the strength training. Nell Rojas would be freaking yeah. good because she's strong and she's fast. Like she could win the thing outright. She will win the mile and the chicks and then the road race. She will. She'll jog prob- and smash. She'll probably win that too. Yeah. And then she just needs to be top 10% on the other two, maybe top 5% on the other two. And she's there. Where do you see the, how do you think, because yeah, the, the what I can see potentially happening is, you know, you're, you're reaching like the CrossFit world catches someone's ears, listens to the barbell shrugged, who is like, you know, maybe it was like a four Oh five mile or now they're doing CrossFit. So they're familiar with the movements and they can kind of run a little bit. And I could, probably see someone like that coming out of nowhere who's never done an OCR. Um, But what do you think like an actual CrossFitter would like a CrossFit games athlete? Like, how do you think they would do? They'd probably get pretty messed up. I mean, the the difference between a CrossFit games athletes running capabilities and a high level runner or just like a endurance athlete like us is very different. And I'm not saying they're not fit. They're just not fit for this kind of event. My buddy Chandler Smith would probably be able to run like a 36, 37 minute 10 K and he'd probably be able to run like a, maybe a five minute mile. If I put him in, in that range of like distance versus short. So mm-hmm. where would he fall? If I push him past that 10 K, what the heck happens and everything under that 10 K, what the heck happens? So like they sit really well in that 10 K range. They're not super fast, but they're not super slow. So a lot of these guys are, high thirties, low forties, which is actually pretty good in the running world that, you know, you're not reaching up towards the pro range. Um, but then once you get towards that mile, they're not going to be super fast. And then once yeah. you get towards that distance, they're not super crazy ready for it. So, I mean, like even Rich Froney had to walk during the triple three one year, which was, you know, the double unders, the row, then the run, like I've never seen an endurance athlete have to walk unless they were at Kona and they were like 20 miles into a race that was 90 degrees and they've been racing for, you know, 10 hours already, nine right. hours already. So it's like, that's makes sense. But I just think that those guys are just different level athletes, but somebody like Christy Aramo or Sam Briggs, like mm-hmm. those are two girls that I knew would be really well. The girl side's very different than the guy side. Guy side is like, how well can you squat and do calisthenics? The girl side is like this kind of this crapshoot other than Tia, she does squatting and calisthenics like the guys do. But these girls like have these kind of all over the place placements. Like, um, what the hell is her name? Uh, the girl who trains under, she's not Sarah Sigmund's daughter. She's the other Catherine Davis, Catherine Davis daughter. She's a great barbell cycler. She's not Mm. super good at endurance. Then you got somebody like, um, like Sam Briggs, super great endurance, but not great with the, like the best with the barbell. You got somebody like Sarah Sigmund's daughter is a beast with a barbell, not the great with like, uh, you know, shit that's outside of like barbell stuff. You got Danny Spiegel. She's a mutant with the barbell, but she doesn't really like crush the endurance events. So yeah. they're all over the place. The guys are all like, 
the top five guys all are great at the top, like, you know, most of the workouts and then they survive the endurance stuff. Right. You never see, like you rarely see, I mean, Fraser won that run one year, but he's just like next level, but like most of them kind of just don't get killed in them. Sam Briggs is a good name to bring up. That'd be crazy. You should reach yeah. out to her. I mean, but the thing is like, I'd imagine there's going to be more endurance focused athletes in here. So there's going to be more people that will slide in, in front of these strong athletes, like on the men's side, right? There's probably gonna be a, a huge gamut of people who can run between like 1630 and 1730. And like that, like, so I don't know if a CrossFitter can go into a gym and create enough space for themselves to displace the other people that would be in front of them. How like, in a, a running event, there's just going to be like a ton of people in the middle. If you come top five, top 10 in a workout, and then all of a sudden you just don't take the runs, you're great. Because I don't know, there's going to be event winners, right. but I don't think there's going to be like this guy who's like top five and everything, girl, top five and everything. Like right now, if I did all the workouts, I'd probably be top 20 in both of the workouts, and I'd probably be top 20 in both of the runs. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And I, I may, I may even go farther back on the runs and I may even go farther back on the, the gym stuff. It, they're so dynamic that it's like, holy shit, this is going to be really cool. I was just on the phone the other day with Joe Gray, who's a mountain running national uh, world ch- uh, champion and all this other stuff. I'm reaching out to the best runners in the world to come compete. Some of them are being little bitches. They're like, oh, well, this, that. It's like, you know, blah, blah. And I was like, hey, last time I checked, you've never been paid this much for running. So if you want to show up and get paid. What do you think of these payouts are going to look like? The initial guarantee of payout is guaranteed 5,000, 3,000, 2,000, 1,500. Top five on each side. Yeah, big money. It's better better than you get at a national championship uh, race for Spartan Race. It's yeah, probably that's three, I think, right? It's probably the biggest cash prize besides Spartan Race World Championships and OCRWC right now. So Dude, that's- come compete against the man, people. Uh, and then event winners are all going to get paid $1,000. If we oh, sweet. Hit, we're, we're tier-based, too. I mean, if we go up to 7000 we are going to give away $70,000, and it's going to be even bigger. And then if we go up to the uh, 10000 which I really am trying to get to, uh, we are going to be giving away $140,000. Wow. Those type of numbers. I wasn't expecting those type of numbers for participants in terms of like the goals that you were thinking about. Well, that's why that was the whole purpose of this thing. I created this business because I wanted to make sure that the community, all the people who had lost their jobs and stuff, whether you were fired or furloughed or you're an athlete who lost your sponsors – I'm trying to give you guys your money and opportunity back. This is your chance. I'm telling every athlete, I'm like, guys, if you get the signups, you get the cash. You guys haven't yeah. worked all year long unless you're just collecting unemployment checks, you pansies. Um, <laughs> never going to collect an unemployment check for the day I die. Uh, but I'm just telling you, like this, I built this whole thing so that people had the opportunity. And I'm a big believer in it. And, uh, you know, we're, we're freaking getting close, dude. I want those fucking goals. Yeah, man. And you can tell that. And like, just even from the conversation earlier in just terms of like, this is a hard thing that you decided to take on. That's probably not going to be extremely fruitful for you personally, but it is going to be beneficial for the people around you and in the sport. So, and that just kind of like, I was thinking about this earlier in terms of 
like the legacy that you want to leave here because now you're kind of stepping out of that athlete and, you know, you've done a lot in this sport and, you know, you, you, people will know who you are for a long time from that respect, but like, how do you hope to be remembered in terms of obstacle course racing, like way down the road? Um, I basically want to be known as the fittest guy to be in the sport. I'm not a John Albin. I'm not a Ryan Atkins. Those guys are very, very good. But I want to be the person who is like, I can't believe that guy won a bunch of obstacle course racing world titles and then went to the CrossFit games and holds a bunch of world records and other things. Like that guy's a fucking mutant. And he runs half the businesses in our sport. And he outworked Joe DeSena and he outworked the athletes at the same time. Like that's my main goal. Um, none of it's selfish interests. It's something that I've just always been. It's the way I've always been. I've never wanted to lose anything a day in my entire life. And I treat business just like I treat competition. Um, I will win. I will succeed. And the people who are along the ride with me are always going to be part of that and earn with me. Cool, man. Yeah. And you can totally, I can totally get that from you. And you know, that's from the little I know about you from what I followed and everything is that like, you know, you, you have something set in your sights and you will go after it where most people will think about going after it, where you, you go on a long bike ride, something clicks and then you just decide like, okay, this is what is going to have to happen now. Uh, so total respect from that. And like moving outside of the athlete realm for this perspective and, and, and really to help drive this sport forward. Cause that's what it is. And you know, no one is going to do it. I, I don't think anyone's going to come into the sport and help push it forward unless it's the athletes within the sport. So for that, man, I, I really do appreciate you, what you're doing. And like, you know, it's a, it's a good step. It's a good kind of leadership role that you've taken on in terms of the community. So appreciate that, dude. I just want to let you know. <clears throat> Thank you, brother, man. Well, dude, I, I appreciate the opportunity to be able to spread the word on your podcast. Um, anybody who's listening, guys, like I love the sport. I'm sure if you guys listen to this, you're probably love the sport too. Um, all I ask is if you want to participate, you sign up, show up, show us what you're made of. And if you want to donate, you sign up and basically push that money forward to helping others out because our entire goal as a company is to make sure that by the year 2021, we are bigger and stronger as a community than we were in 2020. And I feel like we've lost that opportunity because of certain circumstances. Um, and I think we as a community can take that back and use this opportunity to grow. hundred percent, man. I really appreciate it. 30 bucks. Not that much money. Not that much money. Also, you can, you can listen. There's another opportunity. You can sign up as team. We are creating a whole side prize pool and everything for teams. That's a big part of what we do in OCR, uh, especially OCRWC. There are team events. I got two national titles and a, a world title as a team athlete, but it got taken away because um, you know Ryan Woods was doping on cough syrup, <laughs> and basically. Uh, I love that shit. So I think a lot of people are going to like that too. So if you guys don't want to do the individual thing, you sign up as a team. You can do both together, but I'm giving people the opportunity. It's like, go have fun with your friends. Go fuck shit up. Have a blast. Laugh about it. Like That's what we all came here for to begin with. Cool, man. Well, we appreciate it. I'll make sure to link to everything in the show notes here and push everything out. Um, hit stop here. We'll go back to that kind of green screen room. Green screen room will be good to go. But dude, I appreciate you taking time and we will catch you later. Thanks, bro.